This is the Lockdown with Brave Mama, a community to see you, hear you, and support you on your journey living with pelvic organ prolapse. Hi, it is Steph Thompson, your host here, and today we have a really special conversation. In fact, it's probably one of the most frequently asked questions by women living with prolapse, and that is, how do you have another baby when you've had such a traumatic experience and live with pelvic organ prolapse? The two women who I invited on the show today work collectively in the Empowered Motherhood Program, which I'm going to give you more details on in a minute. But individually, Liz is a specialized women's pelvic floor physiotherapist who has been in this space for a really long time. Something she said to me in this interview changed my perspective on so much. It was so impactful. You're going to have to listen to what she asked me. And Kimmy Smith, I resonate with so much. She was an elite athlete right up there. She has had three children and has lived experience with pelvic organ prolapse. So as a team together, they really are a powerhouse of someone who's an expert in the field and someone who's an expert living with prolapse. It was actually through her journey of Kimmy working with Liz as her physiotherapist that they decided it was not okay for women to not have access to education, information, exercise and support because there was so many barriers. There's a financial barrier, there's a timing, there's a location. There were so many barriers to entry for women being able to receive support. They have flipped that on its head. And I'm telling you right now, I have not seen anyone doing it to the level they are, to the extent that they are supporting women living with pelvic organ prolapse absolutely going to put in the show notes a link so that you can check out the Empowered Motherhood program for yourself. Now, I do want to specify this is a program for everyone. So when you go to the website, you may see a lot of pregnant women and postnatal women. That is the core of who they work with. However, in my mid-40s, not looking to become pregnant again, I'm telling you, I still saw so much value and support in doing this program on my phone via the app because they have a specified pelvic organ prolapse section, which so many other apps do not have in this pregnancy and childbirth space. All right, ladies, I want to start by asking you a question that we in the Brave Mama space and me in particular get asked all the time. It's really common and I bet you've heard it too. Once a woman has been diagnosed with pelvic organ prolapse, they can often feel like that's the end for them in terms of any more children or growing their family. What would be one of the things that you would say to someone who says to you, okay, I've been diagnosed with prolapse. I want to have another baby. What do I do? You know what? I felt exactly the same. Steph, I was diagnosed with prolapse after the birth of my first child. Mm -hmm. And it's an important consideration because the process of being pregnant itself places a huge demand on the pelvic floor. Yes. Plus we have, so there's mechanical load, there's the hormonal changes. So it, it, before we even get to the birth, it's a really important consideration because you probably are going to feel more symptomatic 
And for a lot of women, that can really affect their mental health. Plus, we know that pregnancy itself affects our mental health in a, in a myriad of ways. So for me, knowing that I was going to be pregnant and experience more symptoms and be in a, you know, changed hormonal state where I'm, you know, I, I get quite emotional in pregnancy. It was really scary for me, but I also really wanted to have more children. That was really important to me as well. So I guess in order to best prepare for any subsequent pregnancy, there's so much that we can do as women. First of all, we can be educated. We can understand. We can talk to healthcare professionals and really understand the way that pregnancy affects the pelvic floor, affects prolapse symptoms, affects our whole body biomechanics, and what we can do to optimize our health in every facet during pregnancy. We can chat to our partner about it, you know, and say, I'm, I'm going to need a lot more support. First of all, I, I need, I, I'm going to need physical support from you, perhaps. I don't want to be lifting things and placing a heavier load than I need to on my body, perhaps. I'm going to need time to exercise. That's going to be really important to me. You know, I'm going to need support from a team of healthcare professionals. Financially, I'm going to need that investment. If you have prolapse and you want to do anything in life, I don't see that prolapse is a barrier to making that happen, whether it's growing a family, whether it's returning to exercise, whether it's, you know, taking the next step in career or travel or whatever it is you want to do. Like, I think the key message that we've been sold is that prolapse makes you stop things. And that's not true. Okay. It's, it's not true. It's prolapse might change the way we do things. It makes us more considered. It makes us more conscious, but it shouldn't be the end. And for anyone who wants to consider having a second pregnancy with, um, or third pregnancy and has prolapse, mm -hmm. then, then take the steps now, like prepare yourself, be informed, feel empowered and, and understand just how much there is you can do to protect your baby. And that's before we even get to the discussion around how to birth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I do want to go to that, but I just love how you've already started in that, that really open mindset that prolapse doesn't have to be the end. And this next question is for you, Liz, in particular, because as a women's health physiotherapist, do you have women just come to you and say, well, I would like to grow my family, but how do I even have sex with prolapse? Mm, absolutely. I do. As, as a pelvic health physio who's been doing this for a very long time, I spend a lot of my time consulting women and I guess before I dive into the intercourse side of things, Steph, the other thing that I wanted to add to what kind of Kimmy just explained beautifully mm. is that with women, I always say, let's not put the horse before the cart. Let's just take it step at a time and know that the body is actually incredible. And, you know, making a decision right now on something that is down the track, you know, it might be kind of a year away, two years away. We need to take it one day at a time and because that often kind of feeds into that catastrophizing where all of a sudden we've got these symptoms and these problems happening right now. But in actual fact, the changes that your body might undergo in the next kind of 12 to 18 months might be significant enough that you feel very different in 18 months' time or whenever that is. And so with that subsequent birth planning, I very much go, let's just take it a few months at a time. And, you know, make sure that we're not, we're really focusing on you as an individual because the improvements that you are making, Mary, compared to what Sally is making and the conditions that you all have are very different, even though they often get put under the umbrella term of prolapse. Yes. There's 
you know, very different, differing levels, different birth plans, lots of variabilities there. And so it's certainly something that I feel like is, is very individualized and, um, such an important part of the process and as Kimmy said if somebody wants to have another baby and that's important to them then you know I am such a believer in kind of let's make that happen and let's really look after your body and prep your body to kind of really just you know drop that being a real barrier for you so yes I guess so that's just wanted to add to the to the birth discussion in terms of intercourse absolutely I mean it's Gosh, the the vagina, the vulva, the pelvic area is one of the emotion most emotional parts of the body where we, women kind of hold so much emotion there. And the women that kind of I've seen, you know, through my career, when they have had a diagnosis of prolapse and it's been often on the back of a traumatic birth, there's often a complete numbing and a desensitization that's happened in the vagina. And it it's part physical, it's part emotional it's a coping mechanism where that whole vagina and vulva they kind of completely switch off from and I often say to my patients when I'm seeing them in the first few sessions can you give me a color what color do you imagine your vagina or vulva to be and the color they yeah and the color they give me often helps me to understand how kind of disconnected they've come from their pelvic floor and so some will be like oh it's it's not even there it's a gray black hole like I don't even I don't even think of it it's just almost like from my belly button down doesn't exist and then you've got others that it they're like it is fire engine red it is angry and they're really angry at their kind of vagina vulva area and so there's that emotional kind of connection or lack of connection to the pelvic floor and the the vulva area but then there's also the physical desensitization because we often we do know from when you have had a more traumatic birth that kind of often results in prolapse or you know we've often got the pudendal nerve that has been tethered and affected and so that leads to a de-innovation of the sensation in the pelvic floor and vulva area so we've got less sensation as well and so when you've got those two things coupled together you've got less sensation in the vagina don't get me wrong sometimes we have more sensation because we've become so sensitized and grippy in the pelvic floor so we can have different things going on as well but we've got altered sensation in the pelvic floor so physical change We've also got the physical change that often comes with prolapse that isn't necessarily related to the nerve. It's related to the sense of a feeling of laxity or a feeling of an organ being in the way. And then that kind of often that feeling of, you know, whether it's embarrassment or however, however the women, woman feels now different about what their vulva and vagina is like, that plays into it. And then you've obviously got kind of the shutdown and the emotional side of it. And so then when you're talking about having intercourse, there's almost all of these things that you've got to work through with somebody to really help them return to intercourse. So I often kind of say when it comes to intercourse, again, let's not put the horse before the cart. Let's work out, first of all, why you want to have intercourse and, you know, what's the reason? Are you trying to please your, please your partner? Are you trying to please yourself? Are you trying to have a baby? What's going on here? And then kind of work around those things because what we're trying to achieve here if it's that you're trying to do you know trying to kind of have some enjoyment yourself well then maybe we start with some sex toys or self-pleasure to actually to start to get you to be reconnected with your own vagina and vulva first and then kind of moving through the kind of the other things step by step oh my god there is so much to what you just said (laughs) I'm just like holy moly the first thing is that yeah a lot of people 
more so just reconnect, but just connect for the first time ever. A lot of us, especially in our generation, we have never been taught that self-pleasure is a thing that we can actually do and we can actually enjoy and we can feel that connection mm. with our body, first of all. But second of all, as you were saying that, and I'm, I'd be really curious to know what our listeners say as well. When you talked about that color thing, I've never heard of that reference before, but it is mm. so powerful. Oh, it's mm. giving me goosebumps because <laughs> as you said it, Liz, I was like, gray, gray. Mm. I'm gray. Yeah. I'm like this gray. And it's funny because coming into this conversation and I've talked about in the last couple of weeks that I'm on this healing journey now and I'm feeling amazing. And then I'm like, gray. Oh, Steph, mm. I've got some more work to do there. Okay. That mm. was really impactful. And I think a lot of the women listening would probably be able to make that visual connection mm. rather than a a pain scale or a explain it to me type thing. But that color, that that's amazing. That's really helpful. Thank you for that. That's great. Ple- <laughs> um, pleasure. And, I, and, and obviously you just explaining that there are so many pillars and different pieces to going back into intercourse is so impactful in the way that when women ask me, well, how did you even have sex? And my answer is, is pretty whimsical in the sense that I say, well, it's my daughter's first birthday and I was really intoxicated and that's how I did it. Yeah. That's not the answer that we really want to be sharing with people, but it's the truth. It's the reality. Um, it, it was for me at the time. I don't want that to be the reality for our listeners who are thinking about having another baby. But the way that you and Kimmy have both just really given that illustration that it's not just sex, it's mm. like intercourse. There are so many other pieces for women to work on to be able to get to that place where they feel like they are ready to have that penetration or whatever it is. There's just a lot in that. Mm. If someone was just listening now and this is really new to them, say you're a new mum, right? And that external pressure, like I'm sure you've all heard it. The doctor says they clear you at six weeks to, to, and they say, what contraception are you using? But, but the conversation is you're asking me the wrong questions. Mm. It's not about contraception. It's about how are you feeling at six weeks? Are you ready to have intercourse? And then I think, I don't know, I'm going to get you to jump in here, Kimmy. Do you feel like males are almost educated in a way to say, well, once you've got the clearance, it's a green light. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's changing our our awareness of the emotional needs of mothers is completely changing. And I think for a long time, we worked on the premise that everything would be okay after birth. And if everything wasn't okay, you were the exception and there was something wrong with you. And that led women to feeling this sense of brokenness or failure. Whereas now we're understanding actually birth is incredible, but also incredibly complicated. And you are not just going to come out of it unchanged, completely okay. And there is a level of awareness, not only from women, but from healthcare professionals and the, and women's partners, that she is going to need more support. And we don't know how that's going to manifest. We don't know how she's going to need more support. But for a lot of women that I speak to personally, at six weeks, they don't feel ready to re-engage in intercourse. And that can be even without a traumatic birth. 
because yeah. you know it's they're touched out they're fatigued they're not feeling great in their body they're definitely not feeling sexy like it's you know looking at motherhood as a whole and and i guess the very primal instinct to have intercourse is to have another baby and that's not what you're feeling at that point in time at six weeks right. so are you just like liz said are you just doing it because you want to pleasure your partner and you want to feel you feel this obligation external obligation so yeah for me definitely not at six weeks that's why i think i'm so passionate about what we do is because liz did ask me that color analogy and it was like it was black you know i was like i have no I have no connection to that area at the moment. And so I went away and did my own work. You know, I'm a yoga teacher, so I did a lot of stuff, you know, like moving through that area and feeling what I felt and stuck. And that really did help me to feel a lot more embodied in, in myself and confident in my body. And then I think when you feel like that, then you're more willing to be open and receptive to sex and things like that. There's there's definitely no one size fits all. And the, the six week clearance, as we know, has a lot of faults and that's probably a key one of them. Do you yeah. think it's something that potentially we could be talking about in our prenatal um pregnant well, you know, prenatal birth education is that someone says to the partner, we really need you to take the pressure off. We know that there's this societal unspoken rule that you can jump back into intercourse once the mum and look let's face it some women are still bleeding at six weeks for goodness sake right many women are many are but the pressure is to, to to just do what society expects us to do but if we were to have those conversations in those classes so that the partner is forewarned okay this doesn't mean it gives me the green light and mm. I also need to help my partner. I need to support her in these other ways as well. It's not about just unpacking the dishwasher. <laughs> it's mm. about having the right people around, like the village, like everyone says, where's my village gone? I want to, this kind of leads into this next question too, because this is important. I know what you both do, and I think it's absolutely phenomenal for Women who are just listening to this for the very first time, I think this is where you really come into this conversation in terms of, I think, Kimmy, you mentioned it earlier, having access to the right people in terms of a multidisciplinary type team to support you. For women who are living remote or rural, that is not possible a lot of the time. And I you know, obviously doing talks in Tamworth, that's what I constantly heard is that our closest women's health physio is 100 kilometers away. Mm. So not only do I not have the necessary funds to get myself there, to pay for the appointment, to have childcare, what, you know, you've heard it all before. Yeah. Having something in your own home is obviously of great value. I guess, Liz, I want to ask you first, if someone is wanting to have access to this for the first time, do you recommend that they see someone in person first or could they potentially have access to what you have, what you've created online through the app as, absolutely. A as well? Yeah, absolutely. So as, as you've um, 
mentioned there briefly kind of, you know, the, the EMP app, which is what Kimmy and I kind of created together. And we, you know, we created that on the back of Kimmy being my patient after her first birth and after experiencing prolapse and incontinence herself and me helping her to navigate it and Kimmy being completely blown away blown away by the lack of access to good quality information and that she felt so incredibly fortunate that she could afford to come and see me pretty regularly and you know we I've worked with Kimmy through her subsequent births and you know she was certainly somebody who really wanted to have her future births as vaginal deliveries and we worked shop through all of those and then her third birth was kind of you know what Kimmy kind of refers to as a bit of her healing birth in a way and we workshop a lot and we can touch on this later but you know how to birth and you know do a pregnancy in the presence of prolapse and so trying to do uh, you know get into that space when you're really not you know of course there is going to be a little trepidation but really trying to do it in an empowering way and so that's Kimmy and my journeys kind of together to start with and and in, in many ways that kind of formed the foundation of why we started the EMP because you know Kimmy was out there as a consumer and she was an ex-professional athlete and an intelligent woman who exercises a lot and you know has you know lived in a in a city and she was even struggling with the access so we were like far out you know who if, if people don't have all of this how are they going to get access to this and how are they going to get high level of quality of and gold standard care so we created this program that can be accessed by women wherever they are you know and you know we've tried to make it really really affordable in terms of you know it doesn't have a huge cost associated with it and bundle into it all the education and exercise that we can we have put in there a pelvic floor safe program and so for postnatal and also in kind of in pregnancy but in in the postnatal if we just focus on that we've kind of focused on going right if you've got any symptoms so if you've got symptoms of heaviness dragging bulging in the vagina if you've got leaking if you're feeling like your pelvic floor doesn't feel so great well then start in this program we would love you to get to a women's health physio to actually have a an assessment and we encourage all women at some point to be able to get there. But not having that assessment should not be a barrier. Whilst we, I teach women to monitor their symptoms and what they're feeling and this is where fear is a huge thing that starts to stop women moving and exercising. Fear is huge and I understand it and kind of I call it the, the prolapse fear cycle. We've got essentially, I see this very, very commonly, you know, a woman is feels symptoms or has a diagnosis of prolapse or incontinence for that kind of matter or both together. Yeah. What happens there is that they kind of then they have this feeling of vulnerability and a lack of trust in their own body. This then kind of almost leads to everything they've ever known and always done to feel scary and, you know, unknown and they start to, you know, avoid those things when they avoid those things they stop exercise when you stop exercising that has huge impacts to so many areas of your health it affects your mental health which makes you focus on your prolapse more it affects your strength in your body and so not only are you by trying to protect your pelvic floor or your prolapse or what's happening you, you're kind of start to grip in that area because you're so fearful you just kind of hold it all but your entire <laughs> yes <laughs> your entire body starts to weaken so you get kind of muscle kind of atrophy happening where all your arm muscles your leg muscles your postural muscles your back muscles your glute muscles they start to get weaker when they get weaker then the loads that go through your body when you just lift your baby or lift a pram more of those loads start to go through your abdominals and your prolapse and your pelvic floor because you've got less arm strength to do those tasks 
And so that then kind of leads to this kind of cycle where then, and then the other side of it is that often when you're not exercising, it's harder to control your weight, you know, in terms of if you have excess, you know, if you've got excess weight, we know that excess weight leads to higher rates of prolapse or stopping prolapse getting better. And so we get stuck in this cycle, as I call it, the, 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 these vicious prolapse fear cycles that I'm sure you, you know, identify with. And so what we really wanted to do in the EMP was to kind of go, right, let's stop that. Let's try and get women not to go into that fear cycle. Let's acknowledge that, yes, you have symptoms. It might be prolapse. It might be incontinence. You may have had a third or fourth degree tear. You may have had an avulsion. You know, you may have had all these things and you may have been diagnosed or not yet, but you've got symptoms. Mm. That's, that's, you know, obviously not ideal, but the rest of your body isn't broken and we need to kind of keep you kind of as strong as we possibly can and moving. And so, you know, we go through a process where we kind of, you know, we, throughout the program where we, you know, do a lot of education with women and a lot of that's about kind of helping them to kind of a bit of recognition that, yes, you've got a pelvic floor issue and it sucks. Yeah, but um, that acknowledgement piece is really important. Like you can't just ignore it away. You can't meditate it away, that type of thing. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And there's so much anger that's often associated and so that's where we you know we do in the program live q and a's and things where i'll kind of touch base with women and kimmy's in contact with every single new person that joins the program she sends them a personalized email and kimmy has amazing relationships with a lot of the women in the program and we've got a facebook group so we try and have that kind of bit more communication community and connection but you know through the program we then try and educate you know, them and kind of get that expert education in early. We try and make sure that we're giving that emotional recognition and support. We try and make sure they're starting exercise kind of early and trying to teach them how to trust and rebuild confidence in their body and then really try and empower them to kind of move beyond them being defined by their prolapse. And so mm-hmm. we kind of, yeah, we kind of, we try and do that through the program. And honestly, the the, the testimonials that come through, particularly for women that have prolapse because it is such an emotional often you know feeling like it has completely changed their life they come through and sometimes they make me cry you know I have a very busy life with three young kids and I run a physio clinic and I do this with Kimmy and sometimes I just feel like is this all too much for me (laughs) and then the testimonials come through and I can just see how we've helped this mum in Dubbo or we've helped a mum in kind of you know regional um New South Wales or we've got women in Romania kind of emailing through and all over the place that are actually like oh my gosh this has been life-changing thank you and so I think you know for me seeing how much of a large impact that the program has had is just incredibly rewarding. And that's the reason why I actually invited you both on is because our Brave Mama audience is global but what we do also know that a lot of our women who live in the U.S don't have access financially to that level of insurance. And so therefore they just go without. They mm. just keep giving to their family and keep doing all the things. And then they try and watch free YouTube videos. We know that that will only get you to some level at, at some yeah. point. But then like you've just said, you've created this community where you actually in contact live and they get to talk to Kimmy and through the Facebook group and all of those things. That's where, I mean, I'll give you the testimonial right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to make you cry though, but that's, this is where I don't see anyone on this planet right now doing it to the level and to the amount of care, the amount of education that you were both doing it. So I want to give you that right now, because I know that women in our community have logged on and said, 
how come we all don't have this? Mm. And that's my next thing for you. I really want to see someone like New South Wales Health say all women should have access to this before they're even considering pregnancy because if you know your pelvic floor, if you understand how it works, it will obviously be that level of education that takes you through to pregnancy and beyond where women won't feel have to feel scared because there won't be those big surprises like the word prolapse should never be a surprise to women. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, with over 50% of women having some level of experience, but yet it's a word that's not said, that is the element that we need to change. I think that we could probably have about three or four more different conversations here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're open to it, I would actually love to be able to have a whole nother conversation about childbirth with prolapse, because that, mm. again, is another thing people say, oh, you must have had a cesarean. And when I say, mm, no, I didn't. And it was my obstetrician that guided me through not needing a cesarean at that point physically. He said, mentally, if you do, I'm here for you. But I would love to have that conversation next if you're both open to that. Sure, absolutely. Of More course. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you both so much. I know this is a short and sharp conversation, but I do know it's going to answer so many of our listeners' questions about how to have or how to fall pregnant living with pelvic organ prolapse. So thank you both so much. Thank you so much, yeah. Steph. And on behalf of both of us, I just want to say thank you for all you do for the prolapse community. It truly is incredible and, you know, just getting these expert conversations out there. I know how much effort and time it takes from you. So thank you. It's amazing. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Chances are, if you can still hear my voice, you are a dedicated podcast listener. And I'd like to bet that maybe one day you want to start your own podcast too. Today's episode was brought to us by our podcast partner at Podbean. They are home to over 600,000 podcasts and Podbean is your one-stop shop for everything that you need to start your own podcast. So whether you are in a studio just like me or you are out on the go, the Podbean tools allow you to record, upload and promote your podcast in a matter of minutes. You can download the free Podbean app and get started today. And if you use the code BRAVEMUM30, you can also get the first 30 days of your podcast hosting for free. So why not give it a go? Until next time, bye for now.